I listen to the diaries because it sparks ideas for new adventures. Whether it is an episode about an epic adventure or a backyard micro-adventure, I start thinking about my next adventure. I'm inspired by the people and their stories to go a little farther and dig a little deeper. If you want to add more spark to your adventurous ideas, consider subscribing to the Diaries Plus today. I'm Crystal, a longtime listener from the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in North Carolina. Thanks to everyone who has subscribed to the Diaries Plus. It's been awesome, and you're powering the show as we move into the future. If you're interested in subscribing today, there's a link in the show notes. Please join. Now, on to the show. I was rocketing down to the belay ledge below, and I bounced off the ledge and fell for maybe another 15 feet before all of a sudden I stopped. I couldn't figure out why I stopped because I thought I should have fallen longer and I was certain I was paralyzed. My legs were totally limp and I was hanging there upside down and the only thing that was stopping me from falling 160 feet headfirst into the talus below was this rope that was wrapped around my foot. This is Craig Gorder. And I just remember the first thing that came into my head was, how am I going to tell my climbing partner and current crush that I just shit my pants when I fell? And the second thing was I was really excited I didn't have to go into work on Tuesday. And then the gravity of the situation, I think, finally hit me. And... I thought I was going to die, but I don't really identify much with the story of the accident. As intense as it was, it doesn't really matter to me, I guess, because it's just this thing that happened. But what does matter is what happens after you get hurt. What happens after you lose your identity and your sense of self and all these things that you had or taken away and how people deal with that and how I'm dealing with it. The accident story. We've all heard it. It's ubiquitous in outdoor adventure. It all starts the same. Something goes wrong. A piece of gear fails. Red flags are ignored. And then something goes really, really wrong. And then that story, it goes in two different directions. First off, there's the accident report. It's like, what went wrong? How could it have been prevented? How do the rest of us avoid finding ourselves in the same situation? It's this technical reminder of how this shouldn't happen to you. And then there's the other option for the direction it goes in. That's the retrospective. This is the polished words of wisdom that come after the bones and ligaments have mended and life has gotten back to normal or at least sort of settled into a new set of normal. It's the big takeaway. But it's kind of interesting because... I think both those types of stories, they leave out a really important part. What happens in the middle between that moment of impact, that mistake, and then the tidy perspective that comes months or years or even decades later. It's the process, the journey between those points that is actually pretty damn fascinating. My identity was basically stripped of me. The hundreds of day-to-day questions. Should I be a nurse or a climbing ranger? Because I have no idea what to expect over the next six months. And decisions, setbacks. I'm not an incredible climber anymore. It's the first time I feel defeated. Victories, mini crises, and mini epiphanies that really make up the recovery process. Oh, and I didn't even tell you. I like kind of peace the other day. It was the most fun thing I've ever done in my life. I was like hooting and hollering. Today, we want to tell that story, something a little bit different. We'll start with the accident story and maybe end with a tidy takeaway. But the bulk of this episode is made up of a series of updates and reflections that our producer, Jen Altschel, recorded over the first year of Craig's recovery. What does it take to earn those words of wisdom? I'm sure it's different for everyone, but this is what it took and continues to take for Craig. I'm Fitz Cahal, and you're listening to the Dirtbag Diaries.
you've ever driven into Indian Creek at sunset, you know the bridger checks. They're the first formation you see on the south side of the road. Eight tightly spaced Wingate towers that silhouette in almost spiritual fashion. On November 14th, 2016, the day of the supermoon, Craig and Kelsey Brasser set out to climb all eight 200 to 450 foot tall, notoriously chassis spires. This was going to be a pretty big day, but it was also lighthearted because it was non-committing. I don't think we're ever more than four pitches off the ground. Craig and Kelsey dropped their packs at the base of the fifth tower. Kelsey launched up the first pitch, built an anchor, brought Craig up to the giant belay ledge. And then I grabbed all the gear and I took off. So I was about 20 feet above this giant belay ledge and I hadn't put in any protection in the rock because it was rotten and blocky and terrible. But the climbing I was doing was so moderate that I didn't think twice about going down because you don't bail off five, seven blocky stuff. But I was knocking on all these blocks and they all sounded like death blocks. And I found the best one I possibly could. And I like gingerly weighted this rock and started to pull up on it. And in an instant, it just pulled off and kicked me back with the rock in my lap. Craig fell backwards with a mini fridge sized block on top of him. The rock exploded when he hit the belay ledge 20 feet below, severed the rope six feet away from his harness, badly fractured his right forearm, crushed his pelvis, and broke his back. Craig bounced off the ledge and continued to fall. He jerked to a stop 15 feet down, suspended upside down from a loop of rope that had wedged behind a piece of rock in a crack and tangled around his ankle. By some miracle, neither Craig nor the rock hit Kelsey. She dug through the pile of mangled rope for a long enough intact segment, tied that off to the anchor, and lowered the section down to Craig with a carabiner attached to the end so he could clip himself into something. But the rope hung just a couple of feet short, just out of reach. In order to grab the carabiner, Craig would have to pull up on the rope tangled around his foot. I grabbed the rope with my good left hand so I could pull up on it, and I grabbed the carabiner that was tied into the rope with my broken arm. And I remember it being so limp. It was like I had a new joint in my forearm. It was just totally flopped over in half. And I just kept flopping this cadaverous arm over and over and over at my harness and I couldn't land it in the right spot. I was so frustrated, like just to a point of boiling over because all I had to do was clip this carabiner into my belay loop to save my life. And I couldn't do it. And my good arm that I was using to pull up on the rope was starting to get tired and I flopped it over one more time and I missed my belay loop, but it landed on my left leg loop. And I wasn't sure if leg loops were weight bearing, so I just gingerly weighted the rope and just pulled out on these two completely limp legs of mine that were attached to this pelvis that was in pieces. And it was the most painful experience. My vision went white. The leg loop held Craig's weight, and he managed to chain a string of carabiners to his belay loop to back it up. There was one other party at the Bridger Jacks that afternoon, a guy named Andrew, who Craig and Kelsey had met earlier that week, and his partner. Andrew heard the commotion and popped around the corner to make sure they were all right. Indian Creek doesn't have cell reception, so when Andrew saw Craig was not all right, he and his partner started down the tower to drive to the Canyonlands Ranger Station to get help. Craig and Kelsey didn't have a long enough segment of intact rope to make it anywhere near the ground, but there was a small two-by-two-foot ledge just below where Craig was dangling, so he and Kelsey decided to aim for that and wait there for help. The ledge was only big enough for Craig's torso, which left his legs dangling off the edge, pulling down on his broken back and pelvis. So Kelsey tried to support his legs the best she could. And as she was holding my legs, pants full of shit on that ledge, I think I've watched enough rom-coms that I was like, yes, this is my opportunity to woo her. And I think the words I said were, hey, you know, I was going to ask you on a date after this. And it was the first time I had spoken the fact that I had a crush on her. What did she say? 
I don't really remember, but I like kind of remember be like, maybe like not now. <laughs> she was also holding my turds in her hand. So it was probably pretty hard to be too romantic, but I was sure trying. If I was going to die, I was going to go out swinging. Eventually, they managed to support Craig's legs with slings and settled into weight. And I remember waiting on that ledge with Kelsey, and at this point, it was dark. And all the adrenaline and all the endorphins were slowly leaving. I was no longer fighting to stop myself from falling to the ground. We were just sitting on that ledge, and I was struck by all this pain that the adrenaline had covered up. And I remember just touching each finger to my thumb over and over again to keep myself engaged in something and fighting my head nodding back over and over. Hours later, Andrew and his partner returned. Andrew climbed the first pitch of the route, set up an anchor, and lowered Craig to the ground. 45 minutes later, the first paramedic arrived on scene. Then, the helicopter landed. From that point, Craig's memory gets fuzzy. The flight nurses started me on ketamine. Do you know your name? Craig! Which is this horse tranquilizer disassociative drug. More drugs in my body! (laughs) And I was sure I was experiencing death, and I don't remember it being good or bad, but the only way I could make sense of what was going on in my head was this is what passing through and dying is like. And I remember blinking open my eyes and and there was like 10 or 15 floating heads above me. I was naked on this operating table and they were just asking me questions that I could totally understand, but I couldn't make my mouth work to say answers. And I just remember this one guy with slicked back hair and a mustache telling me how fucked up I was and that I was never going to walk again. And I have no idea who this guy was or if he was even real. And then I woke up, who knows how much longer, in a hospital bed and... My friends from Indian Creek were there, and Kelsey was there, and that was the start of my journey. I had a burst fracture in my L1 vertebrae and a regular fracture in my T12 vertebrae. I broke my pelvis in three or four spots. I broke my sacrum literally in half and it slid under itself and it's still there to this day. And I broke my radius on my right arm in a lot of places. The first few days, Craig couldn't move his legs and the doctors worried he might be paralyzed. It turned out that he had damaged the nerves that control bowel and bladder function and lost feeling in the back of his left leg and his thumb. By the time I caught up with him, he had moved in with some friends in North Bend, Washington, and could hobble around the house with a walker. He didn't have to use a catheter anymore, but the nerves that relay messages between his brain and bladder still didn't work properly. So taking a piss was still a pretty monumental effort. I'm in the middle zone right now. I'm just at a point where I think I can go back to work and I can do all these things that you do in regular life, but it's all still really hard. Like it takes me two hours to go grocery shopping or it takes me an hour and a half to shower or clipping my toenails is this monumental effort. But the hardest part of recovery, it has nothing to do with physical injuries or pain. When I fell, my identity was basically stripped of me my coping was physical activity. That's how I connected with people and made sense of the world. I broke down the other day. I was dealing with some family drama and like I just broke down not because of the family drama, but like 
I just wanted to go ride my bike was the only thing and it broke my heart because I like, don't have that outlet anymore. Like I'm still in pain all the time, but it's not so bad. It's just figuring out where my life is gonna take me because I have no idea what to expect over the next six months. I could go anywhere. I don't have a family. I don't have a partner. And I'm reeling trying to figure out what my life looks like. Just a few years before the accident, Craig underwent another major life overhaul. I was kind of a drunk in college and studied business. After college, Craig moved to Seattle and got a job in financial technology. I climbed towards the tail end of college, but it was never a big thing for me. And then I went to Yosemite after I graduated and was just hooked. It didn't take Craig long to realize that he needed to chase down a different lifestyle. I wanted to save up some money while I was working this real job. So I was living in a van. A minivan, to be precise. Eventually, Craig quit his desk job and hit the road. Six or eight months after I initially quit my job, I was getting kind of low on money. And my sister is a heroin addict, and I've seen a lot of addiction, and it's something that I feel pretty passionate about. So we got a job at a wilderness therapy organization in Utah that works with men struggling with addiction. He worked two weeks on, two off. On his time off, he chased good weather through California and Utah, climbed, and mountain biked. And I was super content. It was not a career, but I was really happy at the time. I first interviewed Craig in February of 2017. Three months post-accident, the demands of his physical recovery had finally begun to yield enough space for him to start to think about what the rest of his life would look like moving forward, to contemplate the next major life overhaul, where and how he would live, what he would do for a career. What are your next steps right now? Do you have any idea what that looks like? So it's either nursing school or a climbing ranger position that I'm in the finalist for. I was really inspired by the nurses in the hospital. They did really amazing things for me. I was naked for like the first two weeks in the hospital because I shit my pants and I bled through my shirt. And so I just had a hospital gown on for a while and one of the nurses who I still talk with to this day she went out and bought clothes for me on her off shift I think it would be really cool to be that person to support someone when they're in a terrible position and then there's the climbing ranger position the holy grail for climbers is to get paid to climb and interact with people and hopefully make land use better and it's what I've wanted to do for a long time and I remember I thought I was going into surgery that morning. The application was due for the climbing ranger position, and I was on opioids, and I hadn't eaten in a while, so I was, like, not in a good place. And I remember filling out the application for the climbing ranger position because I wanted it so bad. And the last question was, are you a safe and competent climber? And I was, like, laying on the bed about to go into this surgery for my broken body, and I was like, yes, I am. The position would start in May or June, just a few months out. And the medical professionals that I've talked to have basically said, no, you can't do that. But not that I think I'm like some outlier or special, but most of the people I saw in the hospital wanted to get well enough to go home and sit on their couch. And I have higher aspirations than that. And like, I'm willing to work my ass off to get those things. And maybe it's like delusional. Maybe it's like, no, you can't walk right now. And you think you're gonna go climb in two and a half months? There's a thin line between positivity and delusion. Maybe Craig's special in terms of the amount of energy he's willing to put into his recovery. I don't know. But one thing that does make Craig special is his determined positivity. Every time in my life that I've been really uncomfortable and scared and upset, something good has come of it. I've seen it repeat enough times that when I'm really uncomfortable, when I'm really scared, that's usually a good thing because I'm going to grow from an opportunity. And I saw so much good come of it. Like, my friend 
Will started a Kickstarter for me. That was pretty early on in my hospital stay. And I was more regularly than any other time. I was in a dark place. And more than the money, it was like, I was acutely aware of the support and love that I have in my life. And I think you can't really, or I can't, I can't be acutely aware of how amazing people are or how much support I have unless I'm kind of forced into it by these super unfortunate circumstances. Like there were people sleeping by my bed every night. My fear is forgetting about all those really meaningful experiences or things you learn along the way. And that's something I really am scared of. I wrapped up my first interview with Craig and started to pack up my things. Then his roommate got home, and it came out that he had a fever, and that he woke up that morning to find that his arm had swollen up. So I turned the recorder back on. Did it, so you woke up and it started looking like that? Yeah. It basically started looking like that about when I got the fever. Does it feel warm to you? Yeah. Like, warm. feel warmer than my other arm? Yeah. We should just cut it off. No, <laughs> but you definitely need to get that like that because that's you not what so? it hasn't looked like that recently. I'm so over doctors at this point. They don't seem that helpful. My arm's been like a week ago. It was so painful that I couldn't use my crutches or my walker. And I went in, I waited for like four hours and the ortho doctor was like, you got swelling. It's fine. Maybe I just got sunburned. <laughs> <laughs> In any recovery, there are two parallel threads that twist and intersect unexpectedly. There's the life reconstruction thread, what to do for work and for outlets when physical things are no longer viable options. And then there's the physical healing, the body's reconstruction. And of all the major, potentially life-altering injuries Craig sustained, his broken arm surprised everyone when it turned into the main thing that continued to interfere with putting his life back together. February 21st, 2017. So what's going on with your arm? Oh, yeah. So last time I saw you, I had a fever, which was due to my arm, and it was quite swollen. And I went down the next day to Oregon to visit some family, and all this swelling on my arm went away, but it localized in one spot. So instead of my whole arm being kind of marshmallowy, it was like there was a golf ball under my skin and it started to turn black and yellow. It was gross. So I went to the emergency room in Covington, Washington, and they said, you need to go up to Harborview now. Harborview is the trauma center for like four or five different states. And I was like, okay, like I'll go up there. And they're like, no, you can't drive. You have to go up there now in an ambulance. So they stuck me in the back of an ambulance, like strapped me down, <laughs> which I was like, what's going on? I feel great. <laughs> and I got up there and it's always the orthopedic surgeons who come in and they're like the renegades of medicine in my experience. And he came in, poked my gross arm for a little bit. And he goes, you're fine. You can go home. <laughs> The gist of what he said is, it's probably infected, but you're not going to die tonight. You have an appointment on Thursday anyways. Get it checked out then. And the saga continues. It's definitely infected this time, but it's either like an infected suture or the hardware in my arm is infected and it's like a deep tissue infection. It's colonized the hardware, which would be kind of an ordeal. Unless they cut into Craig's arm, there's not a good way to know what kind of infection he has. If the hardware is infected, they'll have to take it out, but they really don't want to do that before the bone heals. So they put him on a round of strong antibiotics and cross their fingers. Fortunately, deep tissue infections are rare, especially this long after an accident. They were like, yeah, man, you would be really unlucky. 
but I haven't really figured out if I'm really unlucky or really lucky yet. Thursday was a huge day. So I went into the doctor and like I had this silly vision that I was like gonna walk and I was gonna start crying and some music was gonna play in the background. But the doctor came in for three minutes and he's like, yep, you can walk, you're good. And I was like, so on paper, can I walk skeletally? And he's like, yes. And I was like, on paper, can I go mountain biking tomorrow? And he said, yes. And I was like, so I'm going to walk out of here? And he's like, no. And I was basically, my tone was like, just watch me. And I stood up and like, I didn't actually walk because the thought of walking made me want to puke. So uh, the doctor knows more than me about medicine. I couldn't walk, but now I can put 20 pounds on my leg instead of zero pounds and my pelvis won't explode. Um, it seems like the first time in this whole recovery that the ball has been in my court. Like I can do something to help myself. It's not just sitting around and like willing yourself to heal. It's like the harder I work, the better I eat. And the more I stretch, the sooner I can walk. And then I was driving home from my doctor's appointment and I had been waiting to hear back from the climbing ranger position all week. And I got a call from Wenatchee, Washington, which I was pretty sure it wouldn't be anyone else. And yeah, so they offered me the climbing ranger job. So I was like, hey, I need a couple days to decide. And they said, you have until 10 a.m. tomorrow. <laughs> so the 15 hours that followed that, I was just in my head the whole time, like going back and forth, trying to figure out what the heck I'm gonna do. And it was like something out of a movie where like the clock was slowly ticking. And I was like, oh God, what am I gonna do? Um, are you like on the edge of your seat to see if I took it? <laughs> what do you want me to say? No, I, just... I ended up not taking the job. All the reasons for wanting to take the ranger job were ego-based. Like I wanted to have this, yeah, I proved him wrong. I could go be a ranger seven months after I break my back and my pelvis and my sacrum and my arm. Like I could do that. But I was like, for who? The last time I tied into a rope, I almost died. And I don't want to be out there like wearing a ranger, the fancy shirt, fearful that I'm going to die. And I don't think I would have been climbing much before I took the job. Like I can't imagine that it's going to be like it was when I start climbing again. If I even want to climb, like I don't even know. I want to climb because of how important it is to me as a person and the things I get out of it. But the actual act of climbing sounds Terrible. <laughs> like, it sounds really scary right now. Anything else I should ask? Mm, you don't realize how massively things change when they change so incrementally each day. It's only when you reflect back that you're like, oh man, so much happened. But last night I was laying in bed and I thought about the first time I went outside and they were like, we're going to go get Dick's Burgers. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I want to go to the park. And it was like one of those things that I built up in my head. Like the first time I go outside again, I'm going to cry and it's going to be beautiful and everything's going to be good. And I got there and I cried the whole time, but it wasn't because it was beautiful. I was really acutely aware of my disability. Like everyone around me had legs and they were doing things. And I was in a wheelchair at this point and I, this guy rode by on a bike and I was angry at him and it's I think I'm a pretty nice person I want good for other people and it was the first time I'd felt like they don't deserve it they don't know what they have it's not fair like I should be riding a bike it was the most unexpected intense emotional experience I'd felt in a long time and like I hated the way that it made me feel and then I was like reflecting about that in bed last night and it was just so aware that if I don't reflect back on where I've been, I forget how different it is and how good it is. It's amazing how quickly we forget these things if we're unintentional about them. And
addiction that makes beggars of us all And I shall take whatever comes my way Okay, so I have some stuff to complain about. So after we talked earlier in the week, I left feeling really weird, like dirty almost. The gist of what I was saying was doubting the value of climbing and adventure and other things that have a higher likelihood of killing you than knitting. In addition to our intermittent interviews, I also left Craig with an audio recorder so we could give updates between our conversations. This was the first entry. And when I sit down and think about it with my head, the accident just made me more confident that I'm living the way I want to be living. I love living life. And like I've hated easy my whole life. I hate ambivalence and complacency. And this isn't really anything more than an adventure. But instead of getting caught in a storm or running out of food or water or whatever, I just broke my body. And most of the time I do see it this way, but I waver and it scares me how the doubt seems to be creeping in more over time. Like when the accident first happened, I was like, yep, I'm going to go back out there. Like, why are you even asking me that question? It's totally worth it. And I guess if we're using the like adventure analogy, it's no different than that point where you're like, damn, I should have stayed home. This sucks. Why am I here? This is too much. Those are the times that you look back on most fondly and that shape you in more meaningful ways than when everything goes right. It's just some version of like type two plus 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 fun. Or at least that's what I'll write it off as. March 14th. What? What is going on here? You have a thing tied uh, your arm. This is, this goes into my bicep and to my heart as I understand it. What? And I'm in currently, oh, I'm just got done injecting antibiotics into it. And I do that every day. They let you do that yourself? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they trust me. Yeah, this is great. I'm like learning all about nursing stuff yeah since last time i talked to you i can walk now i spent a week in the hospital i bought a sprinter i got a job i registered for classes and i took a shower the other day without my little shower chair so that was big what else the classes craig registered for at bellevue community college are the first step toward prerequisites for nursing school what's your job (laughs) my job it's i shouldn't laugh it's just humbling Because I came from the job that I feel like I was meant for. I'm working at the front desk of a yoga studio. I basically emailed every place within like a few miles of the school I'm going to that would have a front desk job because that's essentially the only thing I can physically do. Well, congrats. I'm psyched. I'm not just like sitting around twiddling my thumbs. I feel like kind of busy now, which is weird. (laughs) I think you just forget what it's like to do anything because I didn't do things for so long. I just sat around. So now I could have to go to the grocery store is the only thing I do. And then I'm like, oh, man, like, how am I going to fit this into my schedule? I got too much going on. A couple of weeks ago, Craig also booked a ticket to Colorado to retrieve his van and visit friends. A day or two before he was set to leave, his arm started to swell up like a golf ball and turn funny colors again. So he left a message for his nurse practitioner. Literally, I was still on the plane. I was in the back of the plane and I got a phone call and it was my nurse practitioner. And she's like, you need to come into Harborview today. And I was like, I can't. I already have plans to go to an arm wrestling competition, so I won't be up there for a while. I thought he was joking, but Craig actually did have plans to go and spectate women's arm wrestling competition. I did expedite the trip, which was super frustrating because I've been looking forward to going down there for a while. So essentially what I did is 
I landed on Friday. I bought a Sprinter on Saturday. Are you planning on moving out of the house and into the van? Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll move back into the van because I realized, I mean, it's I can't move in there right now because I need a fridge for my medicine. And so I think it's going to be a few months while I build it out. And also like walking up the stairs every day is super good physical therapy. And so there's a lot of reasons for me to be inside for the time being, but I think, you know, in three months or something, I'd like to be back in the van and having kind of that part of my life back together. How are we seeing Kelsey? It was, it was super good to see her and like, it wasn't weird at all. We didn't talk about the accident still. She made some eggs and had some coffee and then she was out, basically. Then... He drove the 1,200 miles back to Seattle. And I felt like I was like in a movie, like racing up to Washington before my arm falls off or whatever happens. Probably not your arm falls off. But I was like, I was kind of racing. My van has a governor on it, unfortunately. So I was like racing at 71 miles an hour, but it felt super intense because I felt like I was like driving for my arm. And I came over Snoqualmie Pass and drove by my house, looked at it, and I like drove straight to the hospital. And then I was at the hospital Monday through Friday. Just a normal work week. <laughs> it was the first time I really talked to a doctor about my arm and it's a lot more broken than I understood. So he was like, if we take the hardware out, you won't be able to use your arm for six to 12 months. So they cut into Craig's arm, expecting to find a pocket of infection. The entire plate in my arm was just totally covered and the bone was covered and it was not good. They took out the dead bone and tissue, cleaned the hardware the best they could, and inserted antibiotic pellets into his arm. They also put him on oral and IV antibiotics. That's the pick line. It's like a stall tactic. Fend off the MRSA long enough for my bone to heal, and then we could go in and do another surgery. And like, hopefully that'll fix it. That does, I don't know anything about MRSA, but it doesn't sound good. You're kind of fucked. <laughs> like, okay. I'm not going to give you MRSA, by the way. It's all in here. It's just staff that has grown accustomed to antibiotics, so it's really hard to treat. Okay. God, I'm sorry. (laughs) Fuck me. It feels like the biggest thing so far. Or maybe it just feels that way. It's like everything feels that way in the time. I remember I went in and I thought I was going to get cleared to walk many months ago, and they were like, no, it's going to be six more weeks. And I was just crushed. And then six weeks goes by and it's fine. So maybe I'm just like in that mindset right now. I guess it's just frustrating because I feel all this momentum. I'm like, I'm starting to walk again. It's awesome. I'm going to school. I got a job. I was super excited to go down and see everyone in Colorado. And then it was like, no, you have to come up yesterday. And then I think I'm going to drop one of my classes because I'm in the doctor like three times a week right now. And then I missed all last week because I was in the hospital and The whole thing kind of dictates my life. I guess I don't know what happens if if it fails. It's the first time I feel defeated or nervous about the long term. Maybe it's just the straw that broke the camel's back. And I don't feel like, well, my back is broken, but (laughs) I don't feel like it's actually the straw that broke the camel's back. You just happen to come over at a hard time. And better news... Craig is fully up and walking around without crutches. They told me to wait a month before I was really walking, which obviously you're not going to do when you haven't been able to walk in four months. Ten days after they told me I could walk, I was sitting in this room and I was just like, I'm going to do it. I'm, Yeah, and I just walked and it was the most fun thing I've ever done in my life. And two miles was this benchmark because even when I was fully couldn't put any weight on my left leg. I would just crutch all day in the neighborhood. And I could usually make it to like 1.8, but for some reason, like two miles was this benchmark that I could never do it. And I looked at my phone the other day when I was in Colorado, but it was the first time I'd broken two miles. And it was this like pivotal moment. I was like, oh, I can do that. I can go over two miles. Two miles is a lot of crutching, by the way. I was in insane crutching shape like uh i don't know if there's any competitions but like oh my god i was crutch fit i was doing pretty well 
I am down. Like the last few days have been super hard, but I basically just traded an arm for a leg, which is a super good trade. Oh man, I was just sitting on the couch and had received a message from one of the yoga teachers at the studio I work with and she was just commenting on how small of a world it is because she received a blog from a friend who she didn't realize we were connected and it was partially about me. And my friend that was sending it to her wrote some very nice things about me and I just kind of lost it when I was reading it. I guess the tense in which she was writing it kind of hurt. She said he was an incredible climber and he was one of the first people that made me feel 100% accepted in the climbing community. And I don't know why it struck me so hard, but I just started crying on the couch because it's pretty true that I'm not an incredible climber anymore. And it was just super emotional to realize that that's realistically probably gone forever. I'm like sitting on the couch right now. I had my first full day of work yesterday and I can't get up because I hurt so bad because my pelvis and my back are killing me and I'm not even sure I am fit enough to go work at a front desk right now. And I'm having all these doubts. April 12th. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Oh, I'm Peachy. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. What's going on with your life? Oh, last time we talked, I was like new to walking, right? Yeah, and, and like pumped on walking. I've been rehabbing my little buns off, so I'm certainly walking better than I was. And I got on my bike which was regrettable because I was like, I'm just going to ride to the end of the driveway to see what it feels like. Okay. And then I was like three miles away and I was like, oh crap, how did I get here? And my arm hurt too much to ride back. So I was like gimping home on the bike. It was super fun. I was like hooting and hollering, but it was perhaps a bit premature. It's been about five months since the accident and a month since Craig and I caught up. I got a recumbent bike and I've just been riding that thing into the ground. Oh, perfect. That's actually not true. I'm in horrible shape because I hadn't elevated my heart in four and a half months. By riding into the ground, I mean I ride it for 20 minutes. I'm like the second lowest resistance, and I'm puffing and puffing. So I'm doing that. School started. Yeah, I have all these things going on with my blood. What's going Um, on? I felt just like a giant turd the last week. Oh, hey, my nurse is calling me. Can I call you back in, like, five minutes? Yeah, for sure. Okay, one second. Hey. Hey. Oh, man, that's going to be such a good cut right there. Um, Well, unfortunately, I don't have that much more information. My nurse called, and she's like, all right, Craig, you can just say fuck right now if you want. Like, okay. What is it? (laughs) Essentially, Craig's white blood cell count has grown frighteningly low. White blood cells fight infection. 4,500 to 11,000 white blood cells per microliter is the normal range. At 3,000, the doctors start to worry. Craig's count is at 900. It's not clear whether that's because the infection is winning or because the antibiotics are just killing everything indiscriminately. Craig's trying to stay positive, but he's also clearly frustrated been scared. I honestly was playing guitar with one hand last week just to see if I could do it. And I can. But I was like to a point where I was pretty sure that I had a chance of losing my arm because you like Google things and hear all these stories. So Yeah, they don't seem like they're on the verge of cutting off your arm. I'm on the verge of cutting off my arm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because I'm building stuff for my van and sometimes I'll like we have a radial arm saw and like when I'm looking at it, I'm like, maybe if I just did a little slipperoo, <laughs> this would all be done. I'm sure that it wouldn't get infected from the radial shot where you <laughs> okay, good point. your arm either. 
Have you considered not Googling medical information? No. I challenge you to ever have something medically wrong with you and not Google it. And, like, everyone always asks about my arm, too. And it's like, you tell them about it. And they're like, oh, yeah, like, my cousin's mother died from MRSA. And it's like, oh, thank you. (laughs) So I'm basically, like, getting the input anyways. I might as well try to read on, like, the Mayo Clinic, which is a little more scientific than Richard at work. Oh, and I didn't even tell you. I, like, kind of peed the other day. Really? It, It wasn't, like... Don't get too excited. I was pretty excited. I was psyched out of my mind. I haven't peed normally in so long. I was like, I'm just going to like try and see what it's like. And (laughs) it was sad, but I can like pee maybe like a third of my bladder, the old school way, the regular person way, which is honestly, I would rather cut off my arm and pee regular than vice versa for sure. And that's kind of like what, needs to happen if I'm going to move into my van? Like, how much do you want to know about my bowel and bladder system? Without getting too graphic, essentially, until the nerves that control bowel and bladder function hopefully heal, Greg needs to live in proximity to a real bathroom. At the moment, it's the last thing stopping him from moving into the sprinter once he finishes the build-out. I was telling someone the other day, I miss being in a hospital bed. Obviously, I don't miss the terrible pain, but I, like when I was in the hospital bed, everything was totally stripped away, and there was just like me and the ceiling tile above me, and now I'm like back into regular life, and it feels empty a little bit. Like I, I'm not able to do the things that really make me feel in love with the world, but I'm also not in the place that I was in the hospital where I was learning so much about myself. Like, you just have these overwhelming moments of clarity when you're not worried about your job or finances or relationships, and I think I miss how powerful that was. I'm just, like, in this middle ground, and I'm not sure how to get out of it, and I'm just trying to find purpose beyond all the things that I know how to get purpose out of which is really good. You can't ride a mountain bike forever. Sometimes you get hurt climbing and you can't get purpose out of that. And you can't always live in these beautiful places and you have to figure out how to get meaning from inside yourself instead of looking at the sunrise coming up in the desert. Well, I just got back from the furthest I've walked since the day I walked up the Talus Cone in November. It's the first day it's been sunny in what feels like since I got back to Washington. And so I was going to walk down to the coffee stand that's probably 100 yards from the front door of my house. And I was feeling good, and I was like, well, I'm just going to keep walking. And then I made it all the way to the Little Psy Trailhead, which is realistically not that far, but uh, for me, it's pretty far. And I was like, I might as well see what it's like to hike. And I've hiked that trail probably 40 or 50 times because there's this crag in the middle of the trail that's probably the closest to Seattle, and it's one of the steeper sport climbing areas around. So we used to go after work all the time and I hated that trail because it's your typical urban trail. It's crowded and you're always picking up other people's garbage and I had always just raced up that trail because I didn't want to like be around all the people. But this time around, everything was so beautiful and I was surrounded by people, but I was surrounded by people who were getting out of the city, people who were getting a workout. I wasn't surrounded by people who were some impingement to my success and I probably made it a thousand feet up the trail and my body couldn't really do it anymore and I was worried about getting down and then I walked down and it hurt but I was so happy and 
as I was coming off the trail, there was this rock covered in moss, and it was just dripping from the endless rain for the last however many months. And it looked like it was the first time that I'd seen sunshine, and the sun was kind of like reflecting off the droplets of water. And I just broke down and started sobbing. And I was 15 feet away from a road with diesel engines going by. and But all I could see was this moss. And, and I'm sure it's going to rain again and we're going to be stuck in the rain for another few months. But just stepping foot onto this trail, all the clouds that I've been dealing with with the stagnation in my life just lifted for a second and everything was super beautiful Jen listen July 8th. Hello? Craig, how are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm just hanging out in the van, strumming some banjo. Life is really good. It's been about three months since the last time Craig and I caught up. He moved out of the house in North Bend and lives in the van full-time now. I caught him in Missoula, Montana during the last week of a month-long wilderness EMT course. I had a weird moment the other day where I was, like, just so sweaty in bed. And I was like, man, I didn't think I would be here at 28 years old, like, surrounded by LaCroix, sleeping in a Walmart parking lot and psyched about it. Not that I'm that excited to, like, be peeing into it. Actually, I'm really excited to be peeing into a Gatorade bottle. (laughs) Like, it just feels like more of an adventure. It's not necessarily fun. I'm not, like, having a hoot, but it's a different kind of challenge. I guess a more digestible kind of challenge. His arm seems to be healing. He's off both the IV and oral antibiotics. The infection seems to be gone, or at least at bay for the moment. My infectious disease doctor said it could come back any time in my life, but in more practical terms, if you make it to the three-month mark after getting off antibiotics and you're still doing pretty well, then... For the most part, you're in the clear. Uh, how are you other than that? I assume that you're, like, walking around like a human. Well, I'm walking around like a total human. I'm really excited about having legs. It's cool because my mindset has changed a little bit in terms of what I want to do. Like, tomorrow I'm super excited about taking my mountain bike that's meant for pretty, like, steep downhill stuff. And I'm going to go wear my pads and my full face helmet and all that because I'm really scared and go ride a cross-country trail. I'm really excited about just doing stuff that's not as hardcore, for lack of a better word. I think before I got some of my personal value in terms of what I could climb or how fast I could bike this thing or whatever, and that stuff is so dumb. And I think that maybe I got some perspective and It took me a lot longer than most people, because I think a lot of people my age figure out that no one cares if you climb 515, but now I want to be with good people, and I want to be enjoying myself instead of some, like, treadmill of hardcoreness. Hi there. It's always so weird talking into this thing. But I feel embarrassed for my perspective early in my recovery, and maybe still today, but especially like 
a few months ago, I felt like I was the only one suffering in the world. When you're a super fit 27-year-old privileged male, maybe people aren't as apt to open up to you about what's hard for them. But I think there's kind of this club or this bond over a shared experience of something that's really hard. And I think since my accident, people are way more apt to open up to me about what's hard for them. Everyone's working through something. Life's like kind of hard, even for those of us who have it really good. And that is what experiencing life is about, is about it being hard. You know, I don't really want it to be easy. October 11th. just under a year since the accident now. I met Craig in his van slash home at a waterfront park in Bend, Oregon. There's my pee bottle. Nice. Dude, this is There's, beautiful. Right? Look at it your mosaic out. in the back, even. It's the little touches. Uh, I'm pretty happy. There's, if you look... Not even closely, just if you look at things, there's definitely some questionable craftsmanship. But it's been working out pretty well. I mean, it's a climber van. Yeah, I mean, I'm... Or a whatever van. Dude, how are you doing? Uh, good. <laughs> so lots happened. I live in Bend now. Congratulations, I think. Are you stoked about I'm being I'm so in stoked. Good. It's weird moving as an adult. I've always moved with built-in community, and I got here, and I was like, crap, I don't know anyone. I'm not worried about it. I assume it takes a while to get integrated somewhere. And things are kind of shaping up recently. I went from having way too much time to I have two jobs and then I'm taking two classes right now. So I feel a lot more busy, which is kind of nice with the whole not knowing people yet. So what are your two jobs? So I work on an ambulance and I also, I'm just doing orientation now. I work in the ED at the hospital here as a tech, so I get to see some really cool stuff. The ED is the emergency department. If you don't work in medicine, you probably call it the ER. Oh, that's like the ultimate EMT I know, I'm gonna be some kind of medical stud. Probably not. I'm gonna get really good at changing bed sheets and whatever else I do as a tech. I feel like you have this really kind of cool, unique perspective It's very different having been in that and knowing the subtleties of what sucks and what makes things better. Yeah. We were training today and I knew every single device, like the things that massage your calves so you don't get blood clots and like catheters and like how to clean them. I was like, I seen them cleaned. (laughs) Terencio did it all the time. And so it is really cool to not really understand my injury and then to get a learn about it through the perspective of medicine. Like, after talking to the nurses, I was supposed to be dead. They're like, holy shit, you broke your pelvis like that? Because people bleed out from... Because there's so many, like, central arteries down there that I, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. And I'm learning that's one of the worst things to break. It's also hard, right? Like, there was this gal, and I don't want to be judgmental or, like, use my injury as a crutch to judge other people, but she had a knee surgery... And she kept telling me, my pain is a 15 out of a 10. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> Have you ever broken your back? <laughs> but it's really cool. Like, I love having that perspective in the medical world. And it makes, like, wiping ass better. Because I know, like, some of the best people I met in the hospital was when I was, like, shitting myself literally 15 times a day. And I just would shit myself, and then they'd leave, and five minutes later, I'd be like, I did it again. But those were, like, the best people who came in and be like, dude, this isn't a problem. That's my job. What else is going on? The people that made you feel not disgusting. My body feels good. I went climbing. Really? Yeah. So I I went to Smith in the middle of summer where, like, no climbers are there, and I was 
watching the sunset and my buddy Shelton came out of nowhere and he got me kind of psyched on climbing. There's a rad five, six there. It's three pitches. Have you, super slab? Yeah. Have you climbed that? Totally. Five stars, so good. Yeah. Best five, six. I was so happy climbing five, six. I was also fucking scared. And I was like, I was super glad. I was like, good, this sucks. I never want to do it again. And then, do you remember the last pitch? It's like, this rad corner and I remember I got in this really cool move and for once I like snapped out of it and stopped shaking and I was just like fuck this is so fun this sucks because now I have to do it again it was definitely a lie and a coping mechanism but I remember telling people how glad I was that I got hurt because it was like an excuse to move on with my life and I'm realizing the more things kind of level out I don't know how to not climb people don't find their thing in life and I felt like I found my thing and I think part of the reason I'm so busy right now is because I was so busy with climbing and that there's just that big hole that I'm trying to like plug stuff in and nothing really fits. The most traumatic moments in our lives they can act as pivot points. Obvious times to transition to a new career, move to a new town, Along the way, some relationships show unexpected strength. Like the friends who slept by Craig's bedside in the hospital, or the one who launched his Kickstarter. Other relationships, like the one with Kelsey, they grow more distant across miles and different lifestyles. Maybe most important, when you're stripped of the life and identity you've constructed for yourself, and left with a blank canvas of white ceiling tiles above a hospital bed, you get to choose over again, what to fill your life back up with, what still feels important, and what just seemed that way at the time. At least, if that's how you decide to look at it. Okay, so you had me thinking the other day, like asking me about how can I maintain such a positive attitude during recovery, and I get that question like from a lot of folks, and I never know how to answer it because the first thing that comes into my head is how can you not be positive after something like this or even during something like this? It's so easy to see all the light when there's so much dark. In an instant, I was so aware of all the good that surrounded me. Having the opportunity to be reminded of the brevity and the fragility of life changes how you view the world. I mean, like, what are the odds that the rope wrapped around my foot? I should not be here today, but I'm here, like I'm around to ride bikes and see sunrises and cook dinner with friends. It's all kind of dessert going forward. Great beams of light shut out from the sun Flew across the mountain like bullets from a gun I'm always alone when I think about you Say, see what I see and I do what I do Feels like life is moving faster Than it has ever moved before It's howling down the hallway the Diaries is made possible by the good people at Patagonia, creators of the Alpine Micro Puff, their lightest, most packable, insulated jacket ever. Take nothing with you. For cold belays, unplanned bivvies, ripping skins, digging pits, spay casts, or quick transitions, shop now at patagonia.com. Additional support comes from Kuat Racks. It's about to get muddy out there, so don't just shove your dirty mountain bike into the back of your car this fall. Go to kuatracks.com and choose from their lineup of sturdy, easy-to-use, good-looking hitch racks and roof racks. Kuat, because you love your bike. And support for the show also comes from Vossen Brewing, who would like to remind you that it's Friday, and you ought not to forget the essentials for your weekend adventure. Beer. If you're in the Richmond area, pop by Vossen's beautiful taproom to fill your growler, or follow them on social media at Vossen Brewing. Support the show also comes from you. These days are starting to get shorter here in the Northern Hemisphere, and they're leaving the faintest hints of yellow. 
So you know what that time it is. It's time for Tales of Terror. Submit your story. Come on, keep us up at night. Type it up, 1,000 words or less, and send it to the editor at ducttapethenbeer.com. That's editor at ducttapethenbeer.com by the end of the month. For more information, go to our website, dirtbagdiaries.com, and click on the Write For Us tab. And while you're at it, be sure to follow the Dirtbag Diaries on social media for story callouts, episode announcements, photos of your episodes, and other radness. A huge thank you to Craig for working with us on the story over the past year. Craig is currently living in the mechanics parking lot in Bend, Oregon. He is passionately pursuing his newfound medical career and looking forward to top roping moderates all fall. We think Craig is a great inspiration for the rest of us. If you think so too, consider making a donation to his GoFundMe page. You can find the link on our website. Music today from F. Beat, Aiden Baker, Dr. Turtle, Richard Smith, MC Cola, Vienna Ditto, Hopeless Jack, The IMG, and Little Glass Men. The tracks are courtesy of Free Music Archive or with permission from the artists themselves. Jacob Bain and East Koto composed our theme song. You can find the links to the artists at our website. The episode was produced by Jen Altschul, Elizabeth Nicano, and Becca Cahal. I'm Fitz Cahal, and you've been listening to The Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in. Shut out from the sun Flew across the mountain Like bullets from a gun I'm always alone When I think about you So see what I see And I do what I do And maybe it's just that we try to justify our suffering And this is terrible And I'm delusional It might just be because My alarm clock on my phone every morning Is Taylor Swift's Shake It Off Um, okay, I'll turn this off.